0: Do, do, do. <laughs> do, do, do. hello opening song <laughs> oh, no, right? i know
1: right i was gonna sing it for a second
0: hey you know what's actually funny <laughs> is the whole time that nathan was like so delayed and cutting out i'm yeah. trying to fix it all in settings again and there's like a load data function yeah. and even the load data load data function didn't even work
1: I don't know what load data means in this context is it just like loading because like I, why wouldn't it load the data
0: <laughs> i don't know i think it just reduces the audio and video quality my guess
1: right okay yeah i see what you're saying like just but, drop everything The to, to, to just drop
0: everything so all three of us can sync at the same time
1: <laughs> yeah nice i didn't um, realize internet in uh, london was that bad like that is quite shocking and it makes me happy because i've always been I, jealous of
0: other countries internet i think it's because of, well, partly because he's in a very rural area as well um oh is he like well not rural area i guess he's Manchester? like a, he's he, <laughs> well funny enough i'm actually going to say like a city in the uk but i was trying to make an example of the city not city but the suburb here he's like the equivalent from sydney cbd to liverpool oh our yeah, liverpool our liverpool yeah our liverpool's got
1: internet though <laughs> <laughs> do they <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm I'm from the hood. you
0: i from they the hood. They've got head. like like fifty six k. True, true. Yeah, a solid. Hey, but I'm so excited to talk about Ant Man, Quantumania. <laughs> Are you really? Because that makes one of us. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I
1: nah,
0: don't it's know not anymore. that bad. It's not that bad. I'm being I'm being negative. It's fun. Uh, it's a good movie. I don't know anymore. I mean, I'm confused about what Marvel's trying to do to my feelings. So. <laughs> <laughs> As a non-Marvel fan, you know, it's not bad. Hmm. Okay. I can see that. Boom. Um, the yeah, the. As a non-marble fan, Tony Ook. Hey, how do you uh, pronounce uh, your last uh, name by the way? I've never known Oh, it is. Pronounce... Is it ook? Climbs with book. Ook book. Yeah. Okay. You are gonna write a book about your food blogging? I... Do
1: you think that... would you read it? Mm, yeah. I, I don't know so. if you I don't know if you would. I don't think you would. Why? Don't lie to me. <laughs> Alright, well. What, does it have pictures though? It have pictures, it would be mainly pictures. Okay. There will be barely any text. If there's pictures, I'll definitely read it. And it's all just iPhone quality garbage pictures from super close. Dude, iPhone, iPhone photos are not quality garbage.
0: You do not actually kind of... say that correctly.
1: <laughs> yeah, what is it? Not quality garbage or not garbage quality? Not garbage quality. No, what does I choose to Okay, so I changed, I don't want to spend too long on this, but I changed, so I used to be like a Samsung guy my whole life
0: and then i, I the switched
1: i was the same yeah okay cool but then i switched to iphone purely because um i lost uh you know in the in the breakup i lost um my camera well our camera for the for the food thing so i thought you know what i'm gonna be in uh using my phone to take pictures of food and i want the absolute best camera that you can get and so I switched apple over was to like an killing up- it at the time yeah well everyone was going on like apple they got the best camera oh. got the best camera got the best camera and no. so I switch over and like, it's fine. And then you like, you listen, I watched a video recently from, um, you know, that, that, that tech, uh, Marcus, Marcus, Brownlee, Marcus, that, Marcus, yeah, Linus? Marcus, no, no, the, Brown, the Brownlee, MKB. Oh yeah. The skinny dude. Yeah. Yeah. The skinny dude. And, yeah, yeah, skinny yeah. dude. and he goes on, uh, he does this video about how like Apple, you know, you expect them to have the best cameras, but mm. they consistently lose this blind photo challenge. And so now, though, I've got AirPods, I've got an Apple iWatch. iWatch? Apple iWatch. (laughs) (laughs) I've
0: got the phone. Like, I'm too deep now. And the entire
1: reason I got it isn't true. So this is, like, depressing to me.
0: And everything is all integrated, and it's all compatible with all their devices, and you kind of... Are trapped now, you actually can't get anything else because it will not compatible with any of the other devices the
1: ecosystem's too strong, like I can't get out now but I want to because I want the best camera again, and I was like misled by the news at the time, so just I, um, I heard Google Pixel's got the
0: best camera, like, the They the that's what his video said, that Pixel's got the absolute best camera that's not the only reason why we want to get phones though, although it does seem like that's the way of the trend is that we well, buy no, a lot like, of phones based on the camera quality
1: I do camera purely because everything else is about, like, it's all roughly the same. Like, the speed's the same. The memory's the same. The yeah. UI's pretty much the same. Like, there mm. are a few differentiating factors between phones, yeah. in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The Google Pixel, like, it's, it's it's so weird because it's it's Android, just like a Samsung phone as well. And every time I look at somebody using a Android phone, I'm like, oh... Why was I using Android once upon a time? Really? Honestly, oh, I don't. It's I just the such reaction. It, it just um. Mm. This is a bit hyperbolic, but I will say it anyway. The UI is quite bad compared to Apple. Ah, oh, see, I disagree. I don't. I don't think Apple's bad, but like f- I'm
1: coming from Samsung. I'm with Apple. Like what three years now, and I think like yeah, it's kind of the same. I I don't think one is. But you're wrong because, because I'm a UI Apple. designer. So. That is true. You know more about this than I do. <laughs> Man, it took me a long time to get used to gestures. I miss. You know those buttons at the bottom of the screen. I'll,
0: I'll give oh, up.
1: yeah, that's right. Real estate for buttons.
0: Hey, wait, let, let me ask you this: Like, how long did it take you to get used to flicking up to go to home screen? Forever, man. Like, Forever. I don't even know if, Why? if I do it now. So it's, you, it now? you still you still like thumb oh, yeah. the bottom of your screen, thinking that that's a button. No, I don't. I don't Are do you the a thumber. Button. Are you a thumber? I do like I accidentally do that the L shape a lot. You
1: know that L, L shape. shape that opens up. Oh yeah, tab. Yeah, 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 oh yeah, yeah. And I do that, and I'm like, oh shit, I want to do a um homepage. So it's up. <laughs> but I do the L thing first accidentally. I'm like, no, that's not that's not what I wanted to oh, do. Oh, But
0: I guess the up would work though. Yeah, yeah, yeah the up yeah. works, but I have to like kind of remember to do it. Okay, It's so weird because I actually thought I would. It would take me forever to to get used to the fact that there's no button anymore and I'm always going to thumb the bottom of my screen. But right. it was only really like 24 hours, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not like clicking at like ghost buttons, but I am
1: screwing up the gestures a lot. <laughs> I'm screwing up a lot, man. I'm terrible. Sound like my dad.
2: Yeah,
0: I'm an old man. I got fat thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in Quantumania. This is number three of the saga of Ant-Man films. <coughs> oh, I was choking on a grape, sorry. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> Beautiful. The listener loves this. Um Peyton Reed back to direct the third one. Um did they do all three? He did all three, Peyton Reed. Yeah. Okay. Uh and um a little bit of context, you know, elaborating from what Nathan was saying before. Edgar Wright, yeah, he was actually originally signed on to do the whole Ant Man franchise. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's the whole Ant Man franchise. I don't think they planned to do all three back when Edgar Wright was actually part of it. But did he
1: do the first one at least, or not? He
0: he, really? he wrote the whole thing, the first one.
1: Right. Okay. So then, in that case, it would have been way better with him.
0: He wrote the whole thing, and there would have been some amendments and adjustments from Peyton Reed's side, you know, just for his uh, director's perspective because ultimately he's going to direct the film. But mm. that's why I got credits. Um, I wonder how what he feels like – I wonder what he feels about or how he feels about having writing credits for a film that he doesn't direct. Um, there probably would have been some legal issues around that, I imagine. But, yeah, he, he, he wrote the first Ant-Man film. At least the structure, or, or from what we understand, to be the Ant Man film today that's still directed by Peyton Reed. But I, I thought that Peyton Reed did a great job with that first Ant Man film, 2015. I remember watching it at the well, it's IMAX. It's hard to tell, right? Like, if I know that someone
1: else wrote it, now I don't know who to give credit to. Because, like, mm. to me, I mean, I'm not really a, a film guy like you, so I can't tell the difference between, like, direction and script and. Right. and. You know, but I think I did think the first one was incredible. Like I, I yeah. really loved that first one.
0: Yeah, man, I loved it as well. I enjoyed it a lot. It was really funny. It was really good action and great characterization and good ensemble. It was awesome. Mm. Um, and I think that's what this third film was missing is that ensemble cast that made Ant Man a successful film. We're talking about Michael Pena, David Shipper, I can never pronounce his last name. The driver, the tall guy. Driver driver the tall guy yeah the gaunt looking guy he, he looks like a zombie kind of thing looks like a yeah, yeah, guy. yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah um yeah him and um t-pain no not t-pain <laughs> is it T T I T I? oh shit <laughs> t-pain uh, t-i <clears throat> god damn i sound like a old person eh?
1: oh and yeah. that t-pain person was it <laughs> it's t-i t-i's actually i didn't know t-i so he's a good actor
0: yeah he's great Yeah, he's a great comedy actor i guess um yeah has he Have I seen him in any other films? Can't remember. But T-Pain was fun. Like, he was, yeah, like the three of them, or oh, sorry, the four of them. So, Ant-Man including the three Actually, friends. I don't
1: know if those four were a big, I mean, they were like good sort of characters, but like, would you call that an ensemble film considering they're at the start and they're kind of at the end? They're not really. Like, nah,
0: it's not like a classic ensemble film, but. They're in the middle. I'm calling it an ensemble film, all right? So, I don't this one kind of has an ensemble, but they're also boring. <laughs> and that's the problem, right? Yeah. Yeah yeah so yeah it's um it's got quite a bit of a history and i think um for what it's worth the ant franchise has proved to proven to be a pretty successful franchise i'd say in the eyes of marvel financially um critically and um and paid off with the amount of risks they took which getting peyton reed on getting this guy jeff loveness to write the film um so yeah uh, i i think it's for the most part it's done really really well regardless of what we think about with M and uh Quantumania. cool <laughs> good response great
1: i mean <laughs> yeah i'm happy for it i didn't like i like i love the first one i didn't care for the second one didn't really care for the third one so i guess overall it's like that's, it's actually kind of an interesting thing. Like, Overall, you know, you it's 40. A trilogy. Trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like as a trilogy, do you take away points from the great one because the other two were kind of bad? Like, mm, do we actually don't have know. a trilogy like that to compare it to? Um like one where one's amazing and the other two
0: kind of suck? Like, like the first season of Heroes versus the other two? It's usually the other way around, right? It's usually the beginning is really, really good and the rest suck. Which is, no, that's the same way as this one, right? The first one's really, really good and the other two suck. Oh, sorry. Uh, for some reason, I was working backwards. I don't know why. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> so three weird. is not the best one. Oh, yeah. There's so many trilogies like that. Matrix. Yep. Lord that's of the cool. Rings. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> not Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Do <Did> you actually... <laughs> Hobbit, 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 Hobbit. Hobbit. Uh, I wouldn't say... Yeah, the first Hobbit's good. They're... And then the second no, one's okay, and that. then the third yeah. one's okay. Like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true, that's true. I hope we don't have um Hobbit writers and directors in this listening to this podcast. No, no. They need to know they did a bad job. True, true. Maybe we do a review on the whole. <gasps> Actually I am I'm not in on that, by the way. Oh, oh, man.
1: Man. <laughs> what which one were you going to say?
0: You're fatigued from Rings of
1: Power, aren't you? <laughs> uh, well I mean I don't I just I didn't like Hobbit at the time. I'm rather I like sort of visceral. Oh no, no, no I'm not talking about Hobbit, I'm talking about Lord of the Rings trilogy. Would you be Keen? I could. Yeah, I could. But no, I'm more excited about this plan for the Creed Trilogy. Let's do
0: the Creed Trilogy. Let's do the Creed Trilogy. But first, before we get into, before we get carried away by any other episode that we want to cast, let's talk about Ant-Man Quantumania. Released on 17th of February, so we're a little bit behind the times, but that's okay. Um, It had a budget of $200 That's crazy. 200000000 million. I'm actually kind of surprised by that. Why? Because oh, it's was all CG? Well, no, no, no. Because, no, well, I mean, that's... The, you got to hire the said, warehouse, man. You've got to hire all the blue screen man. Did you know, blue screens, what they're going for these days. No, um, I'm surprised by that because I, didn't, I, I don't think Ant-Man's ha- ever had this much um, budget for any of their films. This is like the biggest budget that it's ever had. Um, and I don't expect any of the smaller properties, well, quote-unquote, smaller properties, to have big budgets like this usually these type mm-hmm. of mcu films are uh, they sit between like 130 and 160 or somewhere like, like you're talking about like the tiering of heroes right like
1: iron man's like a top tier hero versus yeah. um
0: iron man would get like 200 million um four would get 200 million captain america would get 200 million so i'm is kind of Thor surprised that. so dr strange what do you get it's probably around the same maybe 180 170 um, so who's a low level guy? If Doctor Strange is a low level, um, low level person would be like Captain Marvel. That would be like smaller budget. Um, who else? I want to say the first Black Panther movie, but don't quote me on that because I'm not sure what the budget was. It might have been 200. But yeah. <clears throat> but any of the introductory introductory is that a thing? Did that make sense? Yeah, that's a word. Introductory characters—they all had relatively smaller budgets.
1: I feel like Black, Black Panther was $200 million. Like I was? I think you thought of one example, which is Captain Marvel, which actually I'm not sure either. <laughs> uh, Captain Marvel, yeah. One five two.
0: Yeah.
1: Nah, I just reckon they're throwing money at everyone.
0: Yeah. I mean, budgets have definitely increased, you know, since the rise of mcu properties and you know they're always going to have a bit more budget for their movies and stuff but the smaller movies would always be a little bit lower but between 200 and 250 is kind of blockbuster extravaganza kind of thing right yeah that makes sense like with the avengers film that was 250 million um uh, avengers infinity war and endgame together was just over 500 million
1: <laughs> shit
0: hey winter soldier at 170 yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy 170, Deadpool got 58. Yeah. Well, and at, that, at that time, Deadpool doesn't even count, though. That was still uh, operated by Fox Studio. And, oh, also, right. and also the whole idea of um, Deadpool, that was actually all fan-driven and fan-motivated, and Ryan Reynolds was motivated. That's why right, He pushed for it, didn't he? He pushed for it, yeah. And the the studio gave him 58 million, and he was like, let's make the... The sickest film with fifty eight million, and look at how successful that was. Man, that it was yeah,
1: that no, was good. I mean, I don't quite like the Deadpool films, but like <laughs> Ant Man one thirty, mm. so that was the first one. That so was the that's first like t- they took a risk on that
0: one. They took a risk, yeah. So that's why I'm surprised. Like two hundred million budget, but it makes sense, you know. When you watch this film, it's one like one hundred and ten percent CG. <laughs> you get <gotta> people <pay laughs> all, all the visual effects hourly rates, you know.
1: I'm surprised by the Rotten Tomatoes score.
0: Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes score 47% for from the critics. I don't agree with that. Um, critics, not critics, <laughs> audience rating is 83%, which I also don't agree with that rating either. I would sit somewhere between 62 and 63.578. I was going to say something like that. Yeah, I was thinking more like uh, 61-ish. Yeah, I think that's a fair rating because yeah. I really enjoyed it. Didn't love it. I'll leave it out there for now because we're going to get into it in the plot. Um, back to start on the movie, Paul Rudd, obviously, playing Scott Lang, a.k.a. Ant-Man. We got Evangeline Lilly played by Hope, uh, playing Hope Van Dyne. Michael Douglas, Dr. Hank Pym. Michelle Pfeiffer playing Janet Van Dyne. Jonathan Majors playing Kang the Conqueror. Catherine Newton, Cassie Lang, who's the new Cassie Lang. Um, Bill Murray playing Lord Kyler, uh, Kryler. Katie M. O'Brien playing Gentora. Who was Gentura again? Uh, I'm Jintura gonna assume one. it's the, the woman. one. The with the um the yeah. painting across her eyes, right? I the think. only other notable character <laughs> 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 who has some lines that are like, quite yeah. boring anyway. The, the Tribe Woman. The Tribe Woman, yeah. William Jackson Harper plays Quaz. Jamie Andre Andre. Andrew Cutler plays Zolem. I don't even know who that is. David. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. So he was in this and he was playing a voice. David Dash Malchian. That's the guy that I couldn't pronounce his last name. If he... He plays the voice the... of Veb. And I think Veb is... Oh, is, is he the goo guy? Yeah, he's the I Have Holes character. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Wow, he, he's, he's a good voice actor, isn't he? He does well, yeah. Oh. That's sort of cool. Anyway, so a runtime of two hours and z- four <laughs> zero four a run out, a runtime of two hours and four seconds. What did I even write that for? Um, this four movie, minutes, probably right. Surely no, it's four seconds. Oh, for real? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How do you represent minutes then? I don't know. Uh, don't worry
1: about it. Don't quote
0: me. Don't look it up, listeners. Just stop googling right now. Um, uh, so, with, with a runtime of two hours, <laughs> it has a current box office intake of four hundred and forty-seven million, um, which is it's like two hundred million lower than the first Ant Man film, and it doesn't have a lot of legs left in its box office, right? Because it's pretty much out of the cinema. Or, nah, almost it's been a month. Like no one makes money after a month, surely. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why it's it's a significant drop from the first Ant Man film. First Ant Man film made six hundred and sixty seven million. Holy crap! But that that's a that's a film that really had legs, right? It started off really really slow because it's kind of that early adapter, early adapter, early adopter type feeling. You know, nobody knows his character, brand new into the franchise. Um, Probably
1: with a lot of like. Word of mouth for that first one. Like, exactly, like, oh, exactly. Hey, it's good. Exactly. That's why it
0: ramped up in sales because everyone was like, "Wow, that poor road guy, that guy from Man, he's actually a really good superhero character," and caught everybody by surprise. Is is what I'm guessing is is what happened with that first one. But this one, it, it sort of peaked at the beginning because remember the opening box office weekend, it was the highest selling gro- uh, uh, film for that opening weekend for February. Um, like all the February's ever all the February's ever holy crap okay yeah Yeah. and then it just kind of slowed down (laughs) so yeah yeah. if someone asked me I wouldn't have recommended it so yeah Mm. I I wouldn't blame you I wouldn't blame you (laughs) but um, why don't we get into first impressions you tell tell us tell us Uh, uh, as in myself and the listeners key highlights because I forget the plot okay okay okay. let me let let me go first I I just want to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the ball by its horns. That's actually not the saying, is it? Grab. <laughs> you got to grab it. What if I want to hit it, though? I don't want to grab it. That's animal cruelty, I think. Officially. Hitting is more cruel than
1: grabbing. I mean, grabbing is, yeah, sort of like a sort of... Yeah, I know what you mean. It's I think I just proved a, it, I guess, yeah. Aggressive connotation.
0: <laughs> okay, so key highlights, key lowlights actually, is that it did not feel like an Ant-Man film. It felt like a film that Ant-Man was cameo in it, but the longest cameo in film history ever. Um, It didn't have that special feeling that the first two, especially the first one had, which was having that, um, that really strong cast around him, his best friends, the ones that he robs things with, the ones that he that do anything for him. They have a lot of trust. You know, They'll support him in anything. They're just like the best, best friends to have. Um, they were great. They were a great supporting cast in both films, especially the first one. And it was missing that. So I think part of the DNA of Ant-Man success is having those three characters, those three best friends as part of the whole film. And they were just completely missing in this. Um, it it felt like it was fighting against itself. It's trying to be an Ant-Man film many, many of the times when he's throwing some of the jokes, exchanging dialogue, exchanging jokes with like, you know, some of his supporting cast um, while trying to be this Kang the Conqueror film origin story that builds the world really, really well, builds the character really well. We get to understand his motivations really, really well. And that's probably the strongest part of the film. Mm. And it's weird to say that that is the strongest part of the film in a, in a couple of ways, one is that you'd think that the strongest character would be Ant-Man because it's his film. Um, and in another way, it's it's you'd think that there'd be more development in the Ant-Man character, but they spent a lot of time fleshing out and developing this new character, King the Conqueror, to build him up. So then we understand what his purpose and his endeavors are in the future of the multiverse saga. So totally understand all the reasons around it. I just don't think it worked for what Ant-Man Quantumania should have been. And Nathan was actually right. I wanted to talk about this in this episode too. So it would have been really good to have him here, was that there was no sense of scale at all. When you're in the quantum realm, I get the quantum realm doesn't have a sense of scale, but it feels like, again, like what I said just before, a fight against, against itself trying to be an Ant-Man film, which is all about scaling sizes, large and small, but you can't do that because you're in the quantum realm. And it's not like they're gonna break the rules of the quantum realm because <laughs> you don't break the rules of the quantum realm. quantum realm is effectively a void, right? Where you don't understand well, no, but there's, size. There's land, right? Like Well, there's land, but it's floating. Right? That's like true. it's it's just it's just kind of floating. But then again, it's kind of weird. Why is there like there's what, spaceships? Well, why does it feel like they're in a country that just looks like a quantum realm? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I remember you had an issue with this when we watched the film. Like, you didn't like the fact that, like, in the first film, it's like a floaty space where you have nothing, and in this film, it's like pretty much uh, floating islands, and you mm. all breathe air. Yep,
0: and it's like you couldn't tell things. the difference between them being on another con- in another country or another planet, um, other than the fact that it, we just accept that it's the quantum realm because of what we see in the background. Yeah, like if you told me it was Wakanda, I'd be like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, you are like, <laughs> oh yeah, that place in the cave, yeah yeah um but yeah that's that's kind of all i want to say as my first impressions um why don't you go for it
1: yeah okay cool i think like for me i'll probably do the same thing as you lowlights and highlights i think lowlights there was honestly a lot i agree with you in the sense that um it's not yeah it's not really an ant-man film as such i think i didn't really hit me until recently, like how much I didn't like the fact that there's no scale. Like in the first film, it's fun because you know how big and small things are, and a lot of what makes um, Ant Man cool is that he can sneak into places and then blow up. Or, like, you know, in that first film when like they're having this like crazy fight in the train and it's actually just a toy train, that's <laughs> like really <laughs> sort of hilarious. That's one
0: of my favorite moments of that first film. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah.
1: so good. And in this film, like, I think like Nathan was right, and yourself, you're right as well, in the sense that like he only ever shrinks or grows large purely for the purposes of fighting. Mm-hmm. He never does anything with his size outside of punching someone or grabbing someone or anything like that. And that's like a really big waste of his abilities as a hero. Um, and yeah, like I'll get into this just throughout the plot, but a lot of the um, comedy, like I just feel like it hits pretty flat and a lot of his motivations for doing everything is kind of really basic. Like, mm-hmm. Oh no, my daughter's in trouble and I love her. Oh no, my, I want to get back to my family. Like it's just all kind of forced. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that I liked about this film is that it is a Kang film. I am one of those people who loved Infinity War purely because it was like a film entirely about Thanos and understanding Thanos and giving like sort of credence to his ideas and, and giving context into why he's doing what he's doing. I think if you've heard me talk about this before, I love it when villains are like the heroes of their own stories and they think they're right. And Kang is that. Um, and I think Nathan earlier mentioned that like, this didn't further the Marvel universe as such. And I think that's not really true. Cause it like, it painted a really solid picture of a guy who's going to be in multiple films going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, liked that. Yeah. I'd actually like to hear more of Nathan's thoughts on what he meant by that. Um, cause he's, he's obviously got something in his mind. He probably didn't elaborate more about why he felt it didn't really expand. Um, mm. The multiverse saga, or our, what we should think about the multiverse saga. Um, I so feel be, like this
1: was like the kicking off point of the. I mean, I haven't yeah. been
0: watching the previous multiverse saga stuff. Mm. Apologies, mm. but um, he might yeah, be I also. Feel like be a off point. He might be also talking about. He's probably coming off the back of season one, Loki as well mm. maybe but it'll be really good to hear his thoughts and he's actually recorded his video which he just missed me now <laughs> Damn, he's on the ball yeah well like just like listeners i guess
1: like, i haven't seen loki i haven't seen dr strange too. so i'm just a guy who like watches film like i don't watch all the marvel films so take my opinions with a grain of salt yeah
0: exactly i'm just gonna mute you for the rest of the podcast That's not, not a bad idea <laughs> i'll just be like like uh, background imagery yeah good for, yeah, yeah. Good um but just to give the listener a little bit of context about nathan so we tried to get him part of this episode because we love that guy um he's got so much knowledge so much energy and we just miss him we miss having him on the podcast and we try to tee it up with him we had all the scheduling correct well more or less we had the scheduling correct we're still like 20 minutes late but but nonetheless you know we we tried to line up our times um, Nathan's over in London, living there with his wife. They've just sort of started a new life, let's say. Um, and we try to line it up, but then his internet just, just couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle the logical cool podcast, unfortunately. So we had to, we had to cut him loose and, uh, just delete him. Alt control delete. <laughs> but he has recorded his response on video and then I'll cut it into this episode somehow. <clears throat> Okay, so let's get into the plot recap. Um, if it's your first time here, listener, uh, a plot recap is basically us walking through the entire film. We break it down into that classic three-act structure in a film, which if you don't know, that's act one, act two, act three, although a lot of filmmakers like to break that convention these days. Um, nonetheless, we we break it down into those three... Um, Compartments, and we go through the plot and we talk about and insert our opinions or our thoughts on what's happening in that specific part of the film. This allows us to uh, elaborate more, get us thinking more about that particular scene, and then we might actually change our opinion or we might be swayed a different direction, whatever it might be, or might just confirm our biases about how we felt about the film by the end of it. Okay. So let's get into it. That's the best part of the podcast. Yeah, the transition. I like
1: it. I wanna try not to be so negative this time. Last time I felt bad. <laughs> Just trying. It's all gonna be positive. It's all positive vibes, everybody. It's all
0: positive vibes. Let's go. Okay, so after <laughs> after saving after help. Helping. Okay, let's start again. I can't read apparently. <laughs> After helping to save the world from Thanos, life has been going pretty great for Scott Lang. He is liked and respected in his hometown of San Francisco, and has even written a successful memoir. Okay, hey, by the way, before I sorry, before I carry on, I promise no more interruptions. Before I carry on, just I am reading this part here. How he's written his book and he's very very successful about his book. It's all coming off of the heels of you know saving the world, blah blah blah. I remember hearing that the original plot for this film, or on this particular part, was that he had a podcast and not writing a book. Really? Or, yeah, it was something like that. I remember reading it somewhere. I think I might have read it on like I don't know, like Collider or something like that. You know, one of those kind of rumor f- forums, um, and a lot of quote-unquote confirmations about what the plot is for the film. And it was something about him having a podcast and being really successful on his podcast, talking about the events of Infinity War and Endgame. How interesting would that be? That would have been, I mean, like the whole thing, I feel like the book and by virtue of like
1: the book, I think the podcast was just, you know, played for laughs, right? Mm. And yeah, I mean, you would have got some, some, you know, instead of him reading a book at a book signing, it would have been him doing a bit of a podcast. I reckon it would have been much of the same thing in my Mm, opinion, at least. You're only going to get snippets.
0: True, but I I think it would have shown more or developed more of a different side to him because, you know, he's always had this kind of cocky attitude, but it wasn't full-on Iron Man cocky or anything, right? Um, Maybe the podcast, like, sends him into this, like you know, full on cocky behavior and attitude and he's like, whatever. And then he has to like halfway through the film, he has to dial it back because he, he's humbled by by this new threat called Kang the Conqueror. I, I don't know. But um, I uh, ju- I just I just thought it was an exciting concept to have him have a podcast and he's got another person like his friends to banter on the podcast about it. Right. I think I get what you're saying. I feel like you're assuming that like if he
1: went from book to podcast it would change the plot substantially. Mm. And and I think you're just just trying to find a way to improve improve his three friends, man. (laughs) I thought you were like thinking for any way to um
0: to make the film better. Yeah,
1: like to like sort of improve the the plot of the film. We
0: we just review a film that doesn't even exist. (laughs) Yeah, so in the <laughs> podcast,
1: he talks about, you know, like,
0: <laughs> yeah. And his friends were just cracking up because like, you know, they rob a bank and then they start talking about events of infant. <laughs>
1: actually, I want to ask this question right now in the first film. And I actually think it's in the second one. I don't really remember. You know how they got the, um, God, you said his name a second ago. David, David The best friend. The best friend. No, no, not him. The best friend. Oh, T.I. Oh, yeah. Marco Pino. <laughs> Michael Peña, yeah. You know how he does that thing where he tells a story? Yes. And everyone in the story yes, just yes, like, yes, yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Do you
1: wish they did it again? Or yes. would it have been tied nah. if they
0: did it again? I think they 100% should have had at least Michael Peña in it just so he can do that same thing.
1: Yeah. Because like, it's, 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 it's part, of, part of the film.
0: Dude, it's, it's part of what makes that DNA of Airman, the film. Yeah. Because he's just so good. And the way Ant Man responds to that is just, he's fed up. Like, he's just like, hurry up, hurry up. But that's their relationship.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so good. A, and the thing
0: is, a lot of people, I think, um, like I'm bad at this. Cause,
1: like, I, I don't mind watching the same crap all the time or eating the same thing all the time. And so, like when brains. I think about like, Sorry. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when I think about like, oh, I wish I did that again. I wonder if like a real film nerd would be like, oh, it's tired. They shouldn't bring the old tropes back. But I'm like, that's
0: why you come to an Ant Man three, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a, yeah. I mean, there's there's certain qualities of a. Sorry, I'm pouring a glass of water. <laughs> yeah. Good, 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 good. People got a drink. Got a drink. There's a certain quality of old tropes that you bring back, of course, right? Like yeah. the three act structure that I explained before. That's that's an old trope that we still use because it's because it's a system that works. <laughs> um. Anyway. Anyway. Let me carry on with the plot. Um. Things are also going well for his girlfriend Hope Van Dyne, who now runs her own company and is using him. Hand- uh, sorry, Pym Particles to help the world, as well as her parents, Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, who are just happy to be reunited following Janet's 30 years trapped in the quantum realm. Although Janet still refuses to talk about her time there, the only bone oh. of something?
1: I was going to talk about this whole first part. Like, I wanted to be positive.
0: Okay. Um,
1: Let's go. I felt like, so this movie, I think you sort of raised the point that, like, this movie moves very fast, right? Like, this, this, a lot just happened in, in word form, and it takes, like, maybe four minutes in the film. I think it does a reasonably good job of establishing, like, where Ant Man is now, how happy he is. It throws a lot of good jokes in. Like, I would say the funniest part of the film is this first part where it's like, ant-man interacting with people and they're all loving him and he's got his book and he's like shocked that people listen to his book or like read his book sorry and then he's listening to his book in the car like there's a lot of sort of the comedy of that's what i do i listen
0: to our podcast in the car do you no
1: (laughs) that's where those that one listen came from (laughs) (laughs) but like yeah i feel like the the comedy here was good and this first bit is probably
0: like my favorite part of the film yeah i agree I, i totally totally agree like there's All these parts and all these parts, just in the brief three to five minutes, whatever it is, of exposition, but really good exposition because we're trying to catch up on who. um, Because it
1: was tight, like it's it's actually tight exposition. I really appreciate that.
0: But I wanted a little bit more before we jump straight into the quantum realm. It was like three minutes of uh, Ant Man stuff and then quantum realm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like they, they go in there very quick very quick oh also by the way i didn't say this in the in the act one because the way this plot is written now is just after that first introduction because the first introduction to the film first introduction that sounds like tautology sorry the yeah. introduction to the film is is the scene opens up to the quantum realm which i love i love that part the first shot. Oh, it's uh yeah, yeah, it's
1: Michelle Pfeiffer and, Michelle Kang, Pfeiffer and Kang hanging out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great or opening. Meeting. Or meeting, yeah. Great opening. Yeah. You you'll really get this the scale of this massive void space known as the quantum realm. Um, I thought all of that was really, really cool. The lighting was quite good, color grading looked quite spot on. And you know, Michelle Pfeiffer, she looked she looked fine, she didn't look like she was. Uh, older (laughs) compared to you know there's always that problem of like bringing old actors back and they're like oh is this really supposed to be that time whatever suspense and disbelief um but um that whole opening part was really cool and how she meets kang and then that whole opening scene just finishes on kang going where are we which is it's yeah. kind of cool i actually would have wanted that scene to go a little bit further you know jumping straight into the mid, mid part of the film where it's got the big reveal of what happened um with michelle pfeiffer in the quantum realm and how she met kang and the things that they were doing together i felt like some of that should have been at the beginning of the film when it opens up in the quantum realm instead of I know they're trying to do a bait-and-switch type thing. Not a bait-and-switch, but, you know, mm-hmm. dangle-the-carrot kind of situation. Yeah, they're,
1: they're trying to be mysterious for a while. Trying to
0: be mysterious for a while. I get that. But I think the the whole mysterious thing was just too short. I think it was a little bit undercooked. Because he crash-lands, he looks at her, and he's like, where am I? I, I, I just think that that scene could have be fleshed out a little bit more, considering that we got a lot of that in the middle middle part of the film where we get the reveal. I think chunks of that should have been at the beginning. So, yeah, because I was thinking about this after you said that, like, after we left, and it's kind of funny.
1: Like, one, I didn't know he was Kang, because I don't follow any of this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't follow any of this stuff. And so he's just like, where am I? I'm like,
0: oh, yeah, cool. It's a guy. It's a friend. Good on him. Mm. Um, But you won't won't be the only one. I mean, there'll be so many people in the audience be like, oh, who the hell is this guy?
1: Yeah. it, It didn't bother me too much, but, like, you're kind of right. In this, like, To me, there's two sort of options, right? The option they went with was she is frustratingly um, mysterious. like She's like refusing to talk about it, to mm. do this thing like, we don't have time. We have to get to somewhere safe. And you don't know what she's talking about, right? Mm-hmm. In, and then so the, the benefit of that is that when the mystery happens halfway through the film, there's like a moment in the middle of the film where you're like, oh, cool, I get all this exposition and I know what's going on now. Mm-hmm. Versus um, the option you just described which is if you actually understand what happened in that early scene, Mm -hmm. when she's mysterious, you can at least know why she's being mysterious and it's less frustrating for you, the audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You miss out on that sort of middle exposition part, but Mm -hmm. like, you know more than the characters do. And you're like, Oh, I know why she's being mysterious.
0: Exactly. And I think that would have been a better paced film. Yeah. And I think the payoff would have been more rewarding because, when, when she gets to that point, when she eventually reveals to those characters what happened, and we already know, it's like, it can be a like, ah, like a yeah. sort of satisfying moment of a like, ah moment. Um, I, I think that would have been a bit of payoff. But I think also, more importantly, um, her character, when she does expose all that information, it's like information overload. Yeah. You know what, it's what I mean? So much. Like, it, it's like we've read one page of the book. And then she's like, here's the rest of the book. And she just like flaps the pages in front of your face.
2: <laughs> you yeah. know what I
0: mean? It's it's information overload. So that's kind of a bit of a problem with the writing, not necessarily the character or the performance from Shell um, Pfeiffer. But yeah, anyway, love that opening scene. And then we jump into this part that I'm talking about in the plot. So let's just uh, move forward a little bit here. The only bone of contention for Lang is that his character, Cassie, who is now living with him and hope has been arrested more than once due to her participation in protests. After Lang and Van Dyne bail her out, the two have a mild argument where she accuses her father of enjoying his fame and not actually doing anything to help the world now. It is uh now it is it isn't under an immediate threat. Hey, I didn't flow very well there, did I? No,
1: that's good. <laughs> like now that it's not under threat He's just relaxing, which I think he deserves, by the way. I love retirement. Mm, mm, yeah. If I was retired.
0: She also accidentally implies during the conversation that she has her own super suit, although he quickly tries to shrug it off with her father. Um, uh, when her father inquires further, they head to the Pym residence to have dinner. And the conversation turns to a device that Cassie and Pym have been working on a quantum satellites. <laughs> that. They explain its design to try and send a signal to the quantum realm to try and establish communications. Janet freaks out when she realizes that someone could send a signal back and demands it to be shut down. Who is that person? It's
1: actually not Kang. It's
0: uh, Murdoch, right? Yeah, uh, that's, that's right. Ah, paying uh, attention. M.O.D.O.K. I remember plots. Yeah, you remember plots. I like it. Um, the device ends up. Uh, Imploding, I was reading that as uploading. Uh, the device ends up imploding and sucking in the five along with some ants that Pim had been experimenting um, on to increase their intelligence. Intelligence, I should say. That doesn't yeah. make sense. Uh, the Pam, uh, the, the Pim slash Van Dyne family are separated from Scott and Cassie, and land in a completely different part of the quantum realm to the two. That is Act One of the plot. So this is the quickest act one I've ever seen. Like the, the,
1: the size of the paragraphs that you've written here um, are largely the same size yet. Act one is like 20, 15 minutes tops.
0: And that kind of confirms like <laughs> how we feel about the whole first part of the film. It's pretty <laughs> damn quick, actually. You know, like there's a lot of writing here, a little bit of explanation, but the first part is like, I actually want to know like what that runtime is or the first part before they get into the quantum realm. I'm willing yeah. to say it is like three minutes. <laughs> nah, <laughs> I reckon like 10, but it, it
1: doesn't, it does. Like, I don't 10, think it's 20. I, reckon? I do not think it's 20, but I want to sort of make some points here. One, um, I don't see why she has to imply that she has a super suit when she actually just supers up in the quantum realm. That would have been a made better reveal. I don't know why she talks about it in that dinner. There's I don't no even to know why they make
0: a deal about it. Like, is it that bad that she has a supersuit? Like, uh, I don't understand yeah. what this whole reaction was. I don't get that at all. Yeah. Mm. Um, it just seemed like a, an attempt to say something about the character of Cassie. But I was like, what does it the, say? What? What's the point in this? Like, is there something it Just th- th- maybe there's something in their relationship that they had spoken about of her not having the super suit potentially. I don't know. Oh, you frozen. Um, you're back. Oh, I'm back. Well, yeah. are you back? I feel like you. Oh, it me. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's gotta be you. My internet's too good. I feel like I feel like it was a chicken before the I mean an egg before the chicken type scenario. Is that, no, is that like, the saying? Egg before the chicken. Chicken before the egg. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know
1: what to say. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Go. What, what, you were saying something?
0: I think I said it.
1: oh okay cool well hopefully they got it but yeah I feel like there's a lot of things wrong the start's great the thing I really love is that Janet freaks out and she actually pulls the cord out it doesn't work when she tries to destroy the machine but I like that she did something
0: so many times in these films
1: the person's like turn it off turn it off now they don't actually do anything Mm -hmm. and that pisses me off
0: which is a real expression of the trauma that she had I guess because she didn't want to go back down there yeah yeah she just like closed it off and I I liked that I bet that was improv Um, like acting improv
1: you think so? I feel like like Michelle Pfeiffer, a person of her talents, is a little bit wasted in this film. Um, oh, no way. Wow. Okay. Yeah, a
0: little bit. I, I thought so. she was wasted like... in the
1: second film. <laughs> oh, I don't recall the second film.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, but, I, mean, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't think she was fully wasted in the second film. I think she... Well, she definitely just does more in this film. She's actually, like, one of the main actors. <clears throat> um, But the previous one, she wasn't one of the main actors. But she was, like... Contentious in that previous film, so she had a little bit of role. Right, that's about Act Two. Act Two. Act Two. So we got Scott manages to rescue Cassie from falling to her death before confronting an alliance named Freedom Fighters. Were they actually called the Freedom Fighters? I didn't know they had a name. Oh my god, that's so lame! Freedom Fighters. (laughs) They fight for freedom. I guess. Act. I guess. (laughs) Uh, as Hope and Pem are guided through the quantum realm by Janet um, who later brings them to Axia to meet an old friend. Scott and Cassie perform a ritual to understand the freedom fighters' language, learning of a man who managed to conquer <clears throat> what was once uh, what was once the home of the freedom fighters. Upon meeting Janet's friend Kryla, Kryla has the rulers' guard attack Janet's relatives, leading them to escape in Kryla's yacht. Um, The freedom fighters are also soon under attack by the guard uh, and Modok, or M O D O K, which stands for. I actually don't know. Can't remember.
1: And I thought you remember a
0: machine. Machine of of. Oh. Oh man, I forgot. Oh <laughs> so yeah, that's more
1: that's more embarrassing. Yeah, true. I didn't even remember Modoc <laughs> from the Marvel vs. Capcom games and he
0: wasn't high tier, so yeah, yeah. Modok's like a meme character in the Marvel universe. Oh, uh, is he? Kind of, yeah. Something like that. Um but it stands for um you can look it up, machine- machine- Damn it. No, I wanna I wanna try and figure this out. Um I, I remember it. Something designed Something. oh no, look it up. Take me out of my misery.
1: I can't even do it. It's actually very difficult. <laughs> he stands for mechanized organism designed only for killing. Only for killing. And what does uh, Scott Lang say? That's more like, like Modofk. <laughs> yeah, which is true.
0: I am tired of these small words being left off acronyms. <laughs> That's so funny. So many words are left off acronyms like the and um, what else? Just that, right? or yeah, a or four, <laughs> <A> <or. laughs> four. That's more like Madoff. <laughs> that's funny. Like I feel like
1: this movie, um, it, there are some jokes, but they're all like just like straight up one liners. <clears throat> yeah, like, and that's probably one of the negatives I've had of this film. Well, they like they're all like, like more cameo attempts. jokes. Yeah, cameo. Yeah, jokes. The, it's kind of um like Thor four. Mm. Like, you know, how Thor four was just straight up like just like one liner, one liner, one liner. And some of the movie you're talking here. about. <laughs> but like i think in ant-man one like the
0: jokes were just way better oh way better way better one it's like it's not even it's not even comparison man it's like mike tyson and i don't know any other boxes someone worse than mike tyson (laughs) but like
1: actually i want to talk about this part of the film i feel like um when they first land in um you know, quantum, quantum zone, quantum realm. <laughs> it sounds so <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Um, so first point one, I feel like the quantum realm, I, I mentioned this before. Like if anyone here has watched like a studio uh, Ghibli film, like any of those films, like my Ghibli. name of Totoro Oh yeah. or spirit of <clears> way, <throat> like these are films. So I, you know, I loved as a kid, mm. but they've got this whole element to them where I find sometimes they're just sort of weird for weirdness' sake. Mm. Like, the creatures are strange-looking. And when it's animation, I'm kind of like, wow, this is cool. Like, how could someone imagine this and look so interesting in how they play with each other? Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of these films are like that. Like, Spirit of Away is a really huge example of just, like, they just throw a lot of weird stuff on the screen and it's quite captivating. Mm-hmm. I find Quantum Realm tries to do this. And I'm not going to speak on how, like, successful it is. It does a reasonably good job. But so much of the film is, like, Oh hey, we're in this place and everything's like kind of different. People drink creatures and people don't talk the right language and mm. it's all strange. So that's like kind of like I don't know just a point I want to make. I don't think it's negative or positive, but it is a thing. And I feel like they spent a lot of time doing it. Mm. Like one of the funniest parts of the film is when he meets the freedom fighters, drinks the goo, and then the goo guy has like a very uh non-assuming voice Mm. like it's just like a sort of a steven merchant style Mm. um (laughs) casual voice yeah i I thought that was really really funny um and then i guess what else i want to say here yeah that was it i mean this is past kind of like ultimately kind of forgettable i feel like and it's kind of sad because a lot of the movie has now passed and it is all like reasonably
0: forgettable no it's all kind of cruising mediocre sunday afternoon stroll Nothing. Kind of, yeah. Nothing's quite exciting at this moment. Uh, on the Freedom Fighters when we meet them and the whole language translation happens, I feel like this. This ho- the whole writing of this, the whole scripting of this about the Freedom Fighters having a different language in the quantum realm and them getting translation by drinking the blood or the goo or whatever it is, I feel like this is all comedy tropes that he wanted to mm. insert. You know, and have some kind of comedy liberty, because why would you do that in the beginning? Why wouldn't you just get them to just talk English? In the beginning? <laughs> well, though, I felt
1: like because it looks so weird mm. and it's so weird, um, someone would have been like, "Well, why do they speak English?" You know what I mean? Like, sure. I felt like they so wanted to dedicate as little time as possible to it, mm. yet still allow it to be strange. Yeah. What are you gonna say?
0: Yeah, I, I just, I just think if. <laughs> the movie wouldn't have improved. Like the the movie wouldn't have been better or worse if they had just gone with them speaking English. Like, it's not like we would come out of that movie going, why did they speak English in the quantum realm?
1: <laughs> yeah. Like there are certain things that people do in order to just make a movie work. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the director um, was sort of saying, Oh, well we have to explain why they can understand each other. Yeah. Okay. Let's throw some things in here. Yeah. But realistically it, it wasn't necessary. It's not
0: necessary. We don't um, need to understand whether we don't need to think about whether they have a different language in the quantum realm because the quantum realm is just a made up place. It's not like a different country (laughs) or a different planet. And like
1: Kang comes (laughs) down and speaks um, (laughs) English straight away. So, you
0: know, yeah, it's, it's a, it's just one of those things where I I think he only did it because it's another attempt to have some kind of comedy in the film. Another one of the funniest
1: parts of the film is when you actually find out, did we actually talk about this? That Scott, finds out that um Darren Cross is Modoc.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did we talk about that yet? No, we haven't. Oh no. Oh, we should do that. Okay. Let's go. Darren Cross, Modoc. right next part.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. He's now
0: (laughs) deformed from the yellow
1: jacket suits destruction. But yeah. Anyway, the reason why it's hilarious is when whenever he shows his face, Hmm. I don't know if it's like good CGI or bad CGI, but he's hilarious. He looks like a weird floaty head like he looks like a zordon yeah from oh, oh Power yeah he does. and i love it yeah
0: <laughs> zordon zordon's such a og character man he's so good love that guy
1: yeah he's great yeah. but every time i see modok um i did find that
0: quite humorous even though
1: actually no nah, he's humorous he's a, he's a pretty funny character i think
0: um I, I think they whether it was intentional or not they were able to get away with it because modok is a bit of a meme character so i like that they committed to this character being kind of ridiculous and they acknowledge that this character is ridiculous <laughs> through yeah, through right. the way that character is written so i, I thought but it was cool um did he need to be in this movie no, <laughs> no you think so i feel like he
1: added a lot of levity to the film and he did he, he multiple roles he like. does
0: he does but he doesn't need to be in the film it doesn't he doesn't actually serve the plot
1: <laughs> oh but i think the film needed i think the film okay I'm, would i say the film needed the levity i'm not sure because like which mm-hmm. it's one of the few times that it hits. Yep. And I think that this film without Bodoc would have been a much more dreary runtime. True. Cause like, True. and the benefit of him is that he is this powerful person who never misses. And he like beats up Scott Lang mm. easily. Right. Mm-hmm. But then he is ridiculously afraid of Kang. Yep. And so, using that math,
0: you can assume Kang's a badass. Yeah, he's he's got he's got good motivation. He's got good drive as to why he's doing what he's doing, and he's taking the second chances. And it also plays into his character of the previous uh, of the first film, where he just wanted to be someone that was recognized, right? Yeah, remember he was and he was always like a person that was shunned or living in the shadow of Hang Pim, and so he wanted to be recognized for something great. Hence, why he became a villain, which is like a classic way of a villain becoming a villain. Um, because you're you're always like that little person that just wants to be seen and loved, mm. and so when he gets another chance, he gets another opportunity at this. He's trying his best, but he's yeah. also trying not to be a dick. So I, I think his characterization is really fun, but I guess like what I'm saying before, just so I can uh, so I don't have to backpedal too much, <laughs> <laughs> is that like it, it doesn't serve the plot. Well, you know, the plot's all about Kang trying to. Um, get out of the quantum realm and all that kind of stuff he didn't need to have modok there he just had another person that he could just bully and whatever i know what you mean like he, he's he's comedy relief and he just mm. is there for that
1: yeah. like yeah you sure you can get rid of him you can get rid of a lot of characters yeah yeah cassie <laughs> no <I'm> kidding <laughs> You, you know what you know what like you kind of could. <laughs> you could now the reason why i get frustrated by this film is that scott's motivations and we haven't got to this yet but we will mm-hmm. like m- the majority of scott's motivations are oh his daughter's in danger mm-hmm. he loves his daughter ergo he must do this thing that is objectively a terrible thing to do um and it's cheap and you you actually mentioned this before and i kind of disagree with you at the time but i kind of agree with you more now not for the original point that you made which i'm sure you'll get into but just the fact that they use their relationship and the assumed care of a parent to a child Mm -hmm. to explain scott lang's actions so that they don't have to and that's kind of like okay as a shortcut but then it's frustrating to find that they don't use that time like So, they've bought a bunch of time by using this shortcut, and they don't use that time to tell any other major story. Mm -hmm. It just, I don't know where the time goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's exactly right. It's like Ant Man and Cassie were almost playing roles for a different film, Mm. and Kang was playing the main role in his own film called Ant Man Quantumania. (laughs) It's, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Scott Lang's motivations don't come from him wanting to take down Kang. It just comes from him wanting to save Cassie and the rest of his family, which is noble, obviously, and it's, it's obviously the right thing to do morally, I guess. It's but, only ever Cassie. Yeah, true. It's only ever Cassie, but it, like you can probably safely assume that he's doing it for everybody else as well, especially his girlfriend slash fiancé or whatever. Not not fiancé, but you know, his girlfriend um strong but realistically right like if he just let cassie die and then he died mm.
1: hope would have been fine yeah so him grabbing the power core or whatever it is mm. puts her in danger
0: yeah 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 mm. but and and the crazy thing is that his his motivation isn't big enough for the for the size of what this film was trying to be right yeah it's not not big enough at all like how do you you can't go from like Infinity War and Endgame of having this massive drive to save the world and the universe, and he does, and then you relegate him to just like not wanting to care about taking down this super powerful guy known as Cam Conqueror. <laughs> you know, his 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 heroism or his heroic motivations and inspiration or aspirations dies in the face of him wanting to just save his family and his daughter which the audience doesn't know that relationship at all. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's, it's so kind of redundant and it's really contrived, which is kind of sad.
1: Cause like this touches on the point you made before. And I think now is actually a reasonably good time to raise it. Like mm. you don't know much about their relationship. Like, you know that she is his daughter, you know, that he loves her because he's a father mm. and the point that I was trying to make earlier, which I, I kind of still am hanging on to, is the fact that, like, in the first film, you know they're ridiculously close. Yep. In the second film, I don't recall if they are or not. In the third film, they just kind of go, hey, you know this girl that was in the first film who was really close to her dad? Mm-hmm. Well, he really loves her, so, you know, buy this now. <laughs> yeah. And I think your original point, which you probably should talk about, is, like, just they don't delve into it at all mm-hmm. and they expect you to believe it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's all just kind of cat and mouse a little bit between the two of them, trying to get out of the quantum realm. And, and the weird thing is that like, we don't know the rules of quantum realm. We don't know what can happen, what can't happen. All these things happen arbitrarily without knowing the rules. And I think the problem, the danger with doing things like that in a film is that you could essentially do whatever you want as a director and writer and get away with it because you haven't established what those rules are for the film um, to the and audience. The,
1: the rules are pretty
0: much just... Earth but purple, right? Like, <laughs> they don't do anything crazy. <laughs> no, they don't do anything crazy, but, you know, there's, like, all sorts of creatures and different fighting abilities. Like, like why can't people just float anymore? You know, in the quantum realm, Ant-Man, he even floats. He floated a lot he in fl- the first floated. one, yeah. Uh, for some reason, there's gravity now. <laughs> that's why it's purple Earth. It's just normal stuff. <laughs> like, the only one who does anything
1: weird is that the buildings are alive. Yeah. Which is great. That's a funny line. and Another cool, cool thing. Yeah. And Kang is really powerful, but it's really powerful because he's got technology. So you would mm. assume
0: that that technology would work on Earth as well. Yeah. Like, are we supposed to assume that Kang has terraformed the part, a part of the quantum realm or something? Is that what's happening here? Is that why there's gravity that exists in the quantum realm? <laughs> but, but he had gravity when um, he first That's arrived. That's right, right, when he first arrived. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's this void. I mean, they talk about that there's, there's so many other places. That was my poor attempt of uh, Janet yeah. Van Dyne. um voice yeah she talks about how there's the quantum realm is so much more it's like pockets of universes or it's universes on universes so i guess from that you're just supposed to accept the fact that okay there's gravity in this part
1: yeah i guess so but oh you know what i
0: mean like it's it's but it's cheap it's it cheapens the stakes a little bit it cheapens the um, and when I say stakes, it cheapens the stakes of what the quantum realm is because this whole time we we've only understood the quantum realm to be super dangerous, but then yeah. you completely um, displace that with yeah, it's the, it's, it's a place
1: designs. with luxury with with like Bill Murray drinking like <laughs> shots of of goo water like yeah. there's there's luxury there That's are true. people here like betting on greyhounds
0: I bet like it, yeah it, it's, it's so different it's, it's so different it's it's weird so anyway I mean. That's that. Kind of, it's probably what's trying to anchor the film, but it's like the biggest frustration of the film. Mm.
1: So, if they're going to make things look so weird, that's the thing that gets me. Like, it does this whole Ghibli thing where it looks so weird, yet inside of it, it's all very normal. Mm, yeah, and so it, it wasn't weird in the ways that mattered. Yep. and that was yep. frustrating.
0: Yeah. Um okay, so let's go back to this part, whom Scott and Cassie find out is none other than Darren Cross, well, so that was Murdoch what we're talking about before, who is now deformed from the Yellow Jacket suit's destruction and has been left with a massive head, but tiny limbs, necessitating him to use a hover chair. While Scott is arrested and forced to make a deal with the man named Kang, having to retrieve, retrieve, retrieve. (laughs) retrieve the multiversal power core um i just want to talk about this part a little bit the multiversal power core i feel like there was a missed opportunity to explain more about what the multiversal power core can do and why it's so important do you think uh, well, I don't know what it can do.
1: So, I think my understanding that's is. That's my point.
0: It can, <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, So my point. It's like we don't know what the multiversal power core. I think that would have been a good conduit to tell a better story. But I think that only develops Kang's story more. and <laughs> less,
1: Well, the film was already doing was already that. But doing I mean, that, like yeah. in my mind, it's like it's the core that lets him travel out. And to me, that's kind of enough. That lets like, him, well,
0: like, we know by the end of it, it allows him to travel the multiverse. Yeah. Well, not the completely end, but you know, that part where he starts to talk about the multiverse, which is one of my favorite dialogue scenes, by the way, um, or dialogue oh. monologue scenes, and I want to get into that when we get to it. Um, <clears throat> um, Yeah, like multiversal power core. I feel like this could have been a conduit or... um,
1: What would you have wanted to know that wasn't shown? Like, I feel like it's the way for him to get out and travel the multiverse. Like, what else do you want
0: it well, to be? Well, no, I think this is another one of those things where I'm thinking, this is how you rewrite scotland's character maybe there's something you can talk about the multiversal power core that's got something to do with him that hinges him to whatever story development happens right maybe the multi an example would be the multiversal power core has something to do with some kind of job that he did for um hank pym back in the first film or the second film you know that helps anchors him to something so powerful like the Motivus with Core? I don't know. It's. I mean, are, are you essentially saying that, like, if there was history between the core yeah.
1: and Scott, it would at least give him a reason to exist in this film?
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's about how to exist in the film, but but to, to have more of a like a different motivation to take down Kang, you know, and so you switch yeah. that whole drive of the character, and then it forces him to do things that he's never done before as well, right? So, right. Okay. Yeah, I, I think. That's, like, a huge missed opportunity, that multiversal power thing.
1: Um, Yeah, okay. I mean,
0: yeah. Yeah. But then we're just rewriting the whole script, so. (laughs) 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 Um, Janet explains to Hope and Hank that... Hank, that came the conqueror, was a scientist also trapped in the quantum realm who attempted to fix his time chair, only to have Janet sabotage his departure because she realized from his ship's engine that he had destroyed several timelines and took countless lives and hadn't actually crashed in the quantum realm as she assumed, but was exiled there. As Ant Man Lang, uh, Lang shrinks into the enlarged, blown up, multivers- multiversal core, or power core, shrinking it with Wasp's help because they rebel against him. Kang steals the power core from them, defeating Ant-Man and the Wasp and taking Janet with him as MODOK crashes Pym's ship. And that is the end of Act 2. Um, <clears throat> so with um, yeah, w- with that whole scene between Kang and uh, Janet, I want to talk about that a little bit for a sec um that seems kind of it's, it's really cool i love that history between them you know now we're getting the big reveal of like oh this is what happened between them and this is the reason why she's so afraid and this is the reason why she needs to get out of here but we can only um the antithesis to that <laughs> is that we have to assume the rest of the history is just as bad if not worse right because we only get a glimpse of into that history we don't get everything else that bill murray's character is talking about that the freedom mm. fighters are talking about they're talking about all this kind of shit that she's done yeah. we have no I idea what they, any of
1: that is. i would have loved to have seen like a lot of her like sort of terrorist yeah man how that, that would have been cool because, like, and it would have been really cool i think one thing that i didn't like was that like he sort of like is powerful mm. right um as in he he grows powerful in the chair um she defeats him by making the thing massive mm-hmm. and he's like no he's so angry and then you just know that she's afraid of him hmm. whereas i would have loved to have seen like their attempts their folly maybe it's, you know some people dying that she loves and then she loses all hope because he's just too damn powerful yep. whereas you're meant to assume that he's ridiculously
0: powerful because she tells you he is that's right yeah and like yeah, and, and, that's kind of a a bit of a dip in that positive exposition, I suppose, because it, we're just yeah we're, we're being told by characters standing around as opposed to being shown it. But um, yeah, Michelle Fife's character, like, her performance is awesome. There's nothing I'm not saying anything bad about her performance. It's just uh, what they could have done with that character is a lot more. Especially they just talk yeah. about it, right?
1: I feel like it's a way, so she's the emotional anchor to the film, I think. Like, they try to make it Cassie and Scott, but it's not, because no one cares. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, I think it could have been a lot more for her, because she's actually dealing with a lot, right? Yeah. Like, like she's dealing with that guilt, she's trying to be a better person. But, like, the thing that's kind of interesting about, like, what you just said, like, that's the reason why I like Modoc's character a lot, because Modoc was how I understood Kang to be powerful. Right. Like, he, like, This very powerful person Mm. cowering in front of this other person made me go, okay, Kang is very, very strong. And until then, I didn't get that sense because you don't see it in this flashback. Mm. Mm. And you don't really see it again until Kang easily beats up
0: Ant-Man and Wasp. Yeah, that that is is a good point. That is true. Uh, But I also think that a lot of what we understand about Kang being a threat comes down to the way he interacts with um, Scott Lang for the first time. I think... He really shows a good, threatening position there. Um, oh, Kang. Yeah, when he's talking to Scotland. But, but that is the scene where Modok is scared of him too, so it's like oh, it's the same right. time you find out.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the same scene.
0: Yeah, I, I like the dynamic and the chemistry between Scott Lang and Kang Conqueror. I think it's... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that scene, that scene really expresses how much of a threat he is in such a silent position. I think part of that mm-hmm. is his posture. The way he delivers his lines, it's soft, but there's intimidation in that softness. And I think he actually does a really good job of being like this sort of
1: intellectually intelligent, uh, intimidating person. Mm. Yeah, like he's smart. He's not aggressive. He's not yelling. And I think this is like very similar to how Thanos was, which mm. I really liked as a villain. Yep. like just this assured person who knows he can kill you, but isn't being. like, He's like, not trying a, to a, say. About yeah, him.
0: he's not trying to make a big deal about him wanting to kill anybody or can kill anybody. Um, Yeah. Can the Conqueror is very much like that. There is that intelligence. There's that calculated thinking and strategy. You know, you can tell he's a man with strategy. He's he's the kind of guy that's going to be like 10 steps ahead of everybody else, which I guess is part of his character too, being a person that can travel time. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense actually. So yeah, that that whole scene is is really cool between the three of them and also between Scotland and uh, Can the Conqueror. Um, where were we? Do we have anything else to say about Act that? Three or? pretty much. Oh, three.
1: Okay. Not really. I mean, one thing, um, I found the, uh, okay. Yeah. So like, just to go back a little bit, I don't think it really is covered that well in the, in the synopsis, but, mm. um, so Kang says, Scott, I need you to do this thing. Cause you're good at stealing stuff and you've got pin particles and I'm going to kill your daughter unless you do it. Right. So like Scott's like, Oh no, I will do it. I'll do it. He goes down there. And there's this sort of funky scene where, like, all of his different potentials start becoming different people, and they're all, like, out of sync with each other. Mm. Um, And then he sort of drowns under his own mass, and then his daughter calls out at him, and that is the signal he needs to get, like, a clear head and finally, like, solve this problem. And, like, I'm sure if you're a parent, this is, like,
0: really touching, (laughs) But like So for just me, mental note listener that Tony is not gonna have children, okay? So yeah. <laughs> But like for me, I just like it felt cheap. Like I feel like they lean into this whole hey Scott's
1: a dad and loves his daughter, so this is what he's gonna do for mm-hmm. her. And they do that at the expense of all other storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're just they're just hoping that you buy it because someone else did this exposition two movies ago, and I think it's cheap and it's frustrating.
0: That's right. That's right. Lots of cheap writing. Sorry, um, Jeff Loveness, if you're listening to this. He probably isn't, but, yeah. you know, if somebody... If you do, you need
1: to know. <laughs> Don't l- rely on, you know, stuff from two movies
0: ago, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Act three. Kang explains his origin and his plan to thwart the Council of Kangs so for exiling him to Janet as... Cassie evades captivity and frees the Freedom Fighters. Okay, so so something that the film didn't actually talk about, um, and we don't know this until the post scene, the Stinger scenes, um, the Council of Kangs. So it doesn't actually expl- it doesn't talk about the Council of Kangs, but um, although does it? No, I don't think it does. Not really. He never says It doesn't say it was the, the Council. Council of of he just Kang. said those people, those people exiled did. him. or well, there were people that... Oh, wait, did he even say that? Did he say that anybody exiled him? He did, right? I don't think... Uh, I think she figures out that he was oh, exiled. Yeah, he yeah, doesn't so say he, it. He never says he it. it. Janet says it. He She, she yeah. just says that he got exiled here, but doesn't say who.
1: Yeah, she that. said he, well, he didn't crash, he was exiled. Yeah,
0: and I only know because I know the comics and the, all, that, all that kind of stuff. Um... I know that it was the council of Kangs that, that exiled him. So that, the council of Kangs, is that like yeah. the, the council of Ricks or something? Like what, what is that? Um, the, so in the comics is actually, he doesn't get exiled into the quantum realm. He actually just goes to the quantum realm. <laughs> um, he just yeah, there. This is a, right, this is a MCU thing. This is a Kevin Feige MCU thing where he just says they've made the story about Kang's origin to be that the council of Kangs and the leader the leaders of the council of Kangs, which is like the three most famous um, Kang variants in the comics. Um, he made it so that they were the ones that exiled him, which makes a lot of sense in the MCU. And the comics is a different story. You can, obviously there's the comics are not as well strung together as the MCU. The MCU is far more um, connected as a universe, so to speak. It's not exactly like that, but um, in the movie universe, It makes more sense for Kang, someone like Kang the Conqueror, who's super powerful, multiversal travel, to be someone that is exiled into the Quantum Realm, and he cannot actually use his powers because the Quantum Realm isn't bound by time and space. That makes a lot more sense um, Mm. to like hold someone like Kang the Conqueror somewhere, and it explains his absence of where has he been in the Infinity Saga, right? like if he's if he's been around forever seemingly because he's a person that travels throughout time <laughs> you just not you know just not hang out that time yeah exactly but and he could not hang out in the main universe which is called 616 and that was confirmed uh, in phase 4 yeah, it's oh, so is there a universe one. Yeah, so the, like the main universe, which was the only universe before the multiverse broke out into the multiverse, was mm. called six well, it's still called six one six. It's what we call a main timeline. That main timeline. Oh, so that's the one we're following. That's the one we're f- currently following, and it's the one that we were following as well. So we've been. Ah, oh. yeah, yeah. So I think that's a wasted opportunity where the
1: one that you're following is like the main one. Why not? Why can't we be an offshoot? And there's like an alpha one Well, over, there. probably over there. will
0: be, maybe, in the future films of the multiversal saga. Yeah, But I want... Yeah. <laughs> but but the... Um, it's, it's explained in Loki Season 1, so this is another spoiler for you. I think I already told you. But in Loki Season 1, he explains what the main timeline is called, and he calls it the secret timeline. And the person mm. I'm referring to is a variant of Kang the Conqueror, known as He Who Remains. And he's the person that you meet in season one Loki he's the um, he's the antagonist of season one but the reveal doesn't happen until the finale Um, and we've always there I do want to watch it oh dude watch it it's amazing we always theorize as we're watching the episodes um, one week after the other we're always theorizing that it could be Kang the Conqueror it could be um, King Loki which is a variant of Loki because what we learn in the the Loki series is that there are variants um, of Whatever version, right? There's variants of everyone, right? yeah. Um, but the variants exist in the different universes of the multiverse, and that multiverse only splits, or the split started with Loki breaking those rules, yeah. Mm. Uh, you, ha- you have to watch, obviously, Loki to because it explains it, all. yeah. I gotta do it, it, it explains I it. we will all. go back for that one. Go back for that, it's awesome, awesome show. Um. And for all intents and purposes, you could probably pin it down to l- blaming Loki for the for what's happened to the multiverse now. Or why the oh, multiverse cool. exists. Right. Okay. Um, so if Loki didn't mess up in Endgame, let's say, the rest of He missed he messed up in Endgame. He messed up in Endgame. Yeah. Oh when I he, he grabs a Tesseract, Remember when yeah. the Avengers go back in time? And then the Hulk does something, right? Yeah, this is just a little bit before the Hulk. So they go back. They go back in time. They go back to the time where um, they arrest Loki at the end of the Avengers film. But yeah. um, oh, I guess it was more like Ant Man and freaking Iron Man's fault because um, Iron Man gets a I don't know a seizure or something because he gets like sparked, and then he yeah. drops the tis. Uh, who drops the tesseract? I think yeah, I can't remember at all. It's it's Tony Stark, like he has it in the case or something. He drops it because he's he's getting like a heart attack because of the shock to his system. Because remember, Ant Man's supposed to like shock him, so then they can create a whole drama around. um, Oh, like they're creating a diversion, right? Drops the Tesseract, goes flying to Loki's feet, and Loki's um, shackled up, and he grabs the Tesseract, and then he just disappears. Oh, yeah. So him just. I don't remember that. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's how Loki has his own TV series. <laughs> I wanted to know. Okay, cool. <laughs> he picks up the Tesseract and he just goes, but he doesn't know where he's going. And then yeah. that's how um, the Loki TV series starts. And so he's the one that created the first branch of the multiverse because he just traveled somewhere else because there's two things that happened there. One, the Avengers traveled back in time. They changed courses of events. Right, And then during that change of course events without um, rectifying that issue, right in the middle of it, before rectifying the issue, Loki travels to a different part of the multiverse. Accidentally.
1: Okay, so he wasn't meant to be alive, right? He wasn't meant to be alive, exactly. So that's why he
0: broke the rules, because technically he's dead in the main timeline. But now he's created a branch in that main timeline. and okay. See, I'd get a kick out of all this kind yeah. of stuff. I do want to watch it and now because the, I enjoy it. And then the Loki series is all about the authority of the timeline, <laughs> which is like the police yeah, okay. the police of the timeline. They, they're like time cops. They're time cops, basically. They find him, they capture him, and then they take him to um, headquarters and authorities.
1: Yeah. For like Jean-Claude. Yeah.
0: And, and all of this is all being designed by He Who Remains, which is a variant of Khan the Conqueror. And he's the one that's been managing and directing the sacred timeline. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Okay. I'm in this. Yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so that's, that's <laughs> the listeners probably like, oh my God, I just got the whole <laughs> season one of Loki spider <laughs> Now you can't review it. Did you review it? Well, uh, wait, no, wait. we didn't. We didn't review it. Oh, yeah. We should have reviewed it. Well, so huh? we, we did talk about it like in, like the recap of phase uh, three before we got into phase four and um, recapping that. Oh, wait, were we recapping? No, sorry. We're recapping phase four before going into Spider-Man. Um, not home. Anyway. Oh, yeah, nice. Anyway, back to um, regular schedule. <laughs> Let's go to act three. <laughs> <laughs> of the same film oh, we talked about an hour ago. Jeez, yeah. All right, so telling Motor to kill Cassie. Kang is confronted by a giant man approaching Axia's center. The Freedom Fighters and the inhabitants of the Quantum Realm also help defeat Kang. Um, despite long uh, losing to his attacks, Cassie is able to get the best of MODOK um, and tells Cross that he has the capacity to change and doesn't have to be a dick all his life. With that man and the Wasp um, and Stature... Stature? <laughs> What's that actually like the the laser head. Oh yeah, it is, yeah. I um, made that up. I think it's laser head though. Attempting to battle Kang, Pim calls his ants, which had arrived in the quantum realm centuries before the humans, and developed their own society to distract him because you know the quantum realm isn't. In- how does that Because the mean, quantum realm isn't in- bound by time and space, right? So you can, I'd imagine, you can go to different parts of the quantum realm and exist for like a hundred years there, right? And then you go to where they are and it's only been like 10 hours or whatever.
1: Right. Okay. So it just so happens the humans in two different spots Mm -hmm. ended up in the same timeline, Yep. but the ants... Okay, yeah, whatever. The
0: ants were just in a... a lot of shortcuts. Yeah, it's a lot of shortcuts. Not big <laughs> it was just like a really quick, lazy way of saying, hey, we have intelligent ants. <laughs> we can put it And they're big. <laughs> and, and, okay. and they can fight if, Kang. What, it's kind of like... This uh, what
1: pisses me off. Like, the movie's two hours long. Why are there so
0: many shortcuts? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to explain there, eh? Um... And uh, where was I? I actually lost where I was. Yeah, distract him because he has been acting horribly. Uh, cross sacrifices his life as a hero and disabling Kang's force field he had made, allowing the ants to attack him. With uh, Lang uneasily declaring cross as an avenger when cross allows him. Okay, so this is this. This is I told you, Murdoch's the best character in the film. No, okay, okay, so his death scene. (laughs) was one of those like the, the whole film the comedy was pretty good with Modoc, but then when it got to the death scene i was like oh this is a bit over the top now you're kind of like really you're cooking nah, this. that was
2: funny when he, that was when funny he puts his me.
0: little hand up and he touches um scott lang's face i was like this is you're, you're going you're you're doing too much now you're trying too hard you're trying too hard here Maybe that one, yeah, but when he said, like, I'm an Avenger, right, and felt like, yeah. I, yeah, yeah I, I chuckled a little that's bit. Funny. But I what, I, on. I feel like that line should have carried a little bit more. I feel like that line sh- was supposed to be a bit f- more funny. I don't know. It just felt like, oh, that was funny, but I feel like it's supposed to be funny. I,
1: I don't think, know. I don't, man, a joke is a joke. It's meant to be as funny as you laugh. I mean, maybe you didn't find it that funny, but, like...
0: I, like, I chuckled. I, I, I was is, just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs>
1: Whether or not you thought it was funny, yeah. I think it was easily still the funniest. Right. And if you, you if you grade things on a the curve, mm. then it, Modok is still the best character. If you
0: grade it on a curve, it's on the bow you're seeing.
1: I'm just trying to say that, like, <laughs> um, it, it's comparative, right? right? Like, whether or not you think he is funny or not, the other things are less funny. Sure.
0: Yeah, true, true, true. Um, yes, so... Kanga Tips to Kill, Lang, Hand-to-Hand Combat but is sucked in by distorting power core by hope assistant. looking back at at the celebr, uh, looking back at the celebrating freedom fighters, Lang and Van Dyne leave the quantum realm. Um, so now we're back home. Lang continues. His-
1: oh, wait. Can we talk about that battle? I guess
0: we can. Uh, maybe I'll just like go through this and then we can talk about it all oh, talk about the whole yeah. Thing. Um, sure. yeah, stop trying to dictate my podcast, right? <laughs> all right it's my podcast now. <laughs> uh, now back at home, Lang continues his happy life and orchestrates a fake surprise birthday for Cassie due to him missing so many. Lang. brings briefly reflects on Kang's words and worries that he may not be dead or the door might now be open to the ones who exiled him, but decides not to dwell on that for now and focus on his extended family. Believing the exiled Kang has died, the Council of Kangs calls every Kang variant in the multiverse. They discuss that the Avengers may have to to be dealt with as they're not only touching the fabric of the multiverse but were even able to seemingly kill one of their own in the 20th century loki attempts uh, attends a presentation about time with mobius 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 <laughs> mobius and mobius yeah uh, Triple M. i don't know why it's there twice uh the presentation being that of victor timely's mobius oh victor timely's <laughs> Mobius isn't worried, while Loki is terrified. So I just love- who is Mobius? Mobius is in the Loki series. He's the guy that if he always awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I just lumped the obviously the two post-credit stinger scenes in that last act. But yeah, that is the entire film. Let's talk about this last part of the film, um especially the battle sequence, and then we'll talk about the stingers.
1: Yeah, okay, so I think, like, just quickly, the battle sequences in this film, like, all of them are not great in my opinion. Thank you. Um, Thank you. They, <laughs> I, I the think, I, I complained about, yeah, I complained about the Black Panther fight scenes because, like, they just seem so generic, and there's, like, a lot of, like, CGI. This is worse because at least Black Panther, like, flips and stuff mm. so she does kind of cool stuff whereas like he's just this big slow plodding guy who like punches things and kicks things like <laughs> it's just the most boring thing to watch it's um, dreadful it's actually yeah.
0: really dreadful to watch it's painful to watch especially you know when he when he's giant man he doesn't do yeah, anything
2: doesn't do anything
0: not- <laughs> interesting to watch like in number two i think it was fun because he's constantly going
1: i'm so tired why am i tired and he's clumsy
0: he's kind of like you know ruining buildings and all that kind of stuff which is it's fun but you the the you know back to nathan's point you feel the scale in the second film this uh, you don't really feel the scale other than the fact that it does this wide shot and he's like this big dude walking through these buildings but it doesn't show that scale very well because it's, it's a made up place. It's, it's got weird dimensions to it. It's like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. And like, it, there's a sense of, again, like in the second one, there's like all these people around, there's boats, there's water. Like mm-hmm. there's just a lot of things to kind of give, give gravitas to what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, he's just kind of running and he's not even that tired. So it's not even played for laughs. It's played for action. mm mm-hmm. And it's just not an interesting thing to watch. And so, like, I think like this one, the previous one where he goes into the quantum, uh, where he gets the the power core, um, the one before that where they're just sort of fighting, mm. like all of his action sequences are, are pretty boring to mm. watch. One thing I kind of wanted to shout out a little bit in negative way is that I didn't realize before, but Ant Man has awful, awful, like whoever's thinking of the names of things is doing a terrible job. Quantum realm, as I'm reading it more in this synopsis, is just a shitty name for like a thing. <laughs> oh, it's the like quantum realm. It just sounds so fake. And then you've got the time chair. The time chair is dumb. That's a dumb <laughs> word. The freedom fighters yeah. is a dumb thing. It's
0: like uh, now that you brought it up, hey, just... like all the all the terms for everything is, 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 is quite.
1: Yeah, they're big-fucking-awful.
0: It's like nobody put any thought into naming these things.
1: Yeah. Did you want to say anything about like this sort of last section?
0: Not really. Um, Pretty disappointing. I think it was like the worst part of the film <laughs> Yeah, it's just this sort of like prolonged fight sequence with a little bit of comedy, like,
1: like yeah. splattered in amongst it. Like the guy with holes was kind of funny. The freedom fighters, like getting around was kind of funny. But like most of it is just this slow. I don't know. I mean, it, even accuracy.
0: the guy with the holes, I feel like that was just another weak attempt of being funny. It's like mm. it was really forced, like super forced. I think the the other dude, the the mind reader, I thought he was kind of funny. I thought it was quite great. Every
1: time he said something it was hilarious. Yeah. I'm like a delivery. Un- his delivery is like great. Yeah, yeah he, I, I, I'm a big Good Place fan. So, like, when I saw him, I am like, oh, yeah, it's a Good Place guy. Uh,
0: I've seen he's him great. before. I just can't remember where, though. In The Good Place? Oh, I haven't seen The Good Place.
1: Oh, it's a great show. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I like it. I'll take it. I mean, it depends it. On what you're into. <laughs> but, um, one thing I didn't really understand when he's fighting Kang, mm. why doesn't he do any Ant Man shit? Like, why is he just punching him? Is his ant meaner broken like this i don't is get it the
0: thing that I, I i thought about after the first screening i was like why isn't he using his technology to fight <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's, he's like, trying to take him hand-to-hand combat and he's not known to be like a particularly no, honorable guy right well he's not even known he can't fight that's the thing yeah he can't he doesn't have any hand-to-hand combat skills and that's he what even makes Kang... himself as a character <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's what pisses me off about Kang, where like Kang doesn't even beat him, and Kang seems to be a good fighter. Like, he, like when Kang fights, he's he's clearly got like really good sort of moves, yeah. as if he knows what he's yeah. doing. Whereas, like you know, Ant Man's just sort of like
0: flailing around, yeah. and he wins. He's got <laughs> no, he's got no technique at all. Um, you can probably infer that he learned some skills in that massive war and in gang, but no way that's the, I'm not no, even, but he
1: doesn't even look good. And I think like hmm. if they were trying to say that they would have made his moves look good, right? Like th- this is intended, intended how bad he looks. Yeah. And
0: Kang like looks like a freaking boxer straight out of Creed three.
1: <laughs> yeah. He looks great. And like,
0: it, I just didn't understand why he didn't do any ant stuff. Um,
1: I, I did not know. know a small thing. Whatever. No, it's
0: not a small, that's a, that's a huge thing. It's like, Oh, oh yeah, every single action scene that he's a part of, he uses the tech.
1: The action sequences in this film, I just assume are like bridging scenes to, yeah. get to
0: the next scene. Yeah, bridging scenes <laughs> to really flesh out that plot for Kang Conqueror and his world building, which, by the way, like I want to end my part on that is that. The Kang stuff is awesome. Love all the mm. Kang stuff. And my favorite part of the film is when he's talking about the multiverse. And then he talks about his variants. He talks about um, he doesn't talk about council, but he talks about the variants and he talks about like... And actually, I want to ask this question. Mm. So
1: this is my understanding. I don't know if I get it. Like, So he was kind of implying that there are all these variants of himself mm. and he must wipe them out because they will like sort of bring ruin to the universe. Is that kind of what he's
0: saying? Um, I think he's just saying that... Um, I, th- I think he... Yeah, well, okay, put it this way. I think he just implies that all of those variants are just going to make the multiverse bad or like terrible. I don't know. Like he, he's he's probably quite um, selfish and sort of single-minded to think that he can. He's the only one that can control the multiverse, which he's... I don't know. He's probably right. Probably can control the multiverse, yeah. but because I. I like that
1: when the villain has, like, a reasonable take. Mm-hmm. Like, if he thinks that they're actually going to cause problems and he's like, mm-hmm. I'm the police and I want to keep them in check. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, yeah,
0: not, not entirely, like, sort of police because he's actually just a genocidal maniac. Because, like, his whole story in the comics is about him conquering all sorts of universes. So he'll, he'll, right. he'll go yeah. from one universe timeline to another. And to and his objective is to conquer and control that place. And once he's done with it, he'll move to the next one. Once he's done with that, so he'll he, move to the next one. I don't know if they're going to keep that same time that that same sort of like motivation. Well, it, it was his crime, motivation in the know. comics actually, because like him traveling the multiverse and conquering is just the fun, fun sort of uh extravagant part about he his character, it. but his to oh, chill out yeah well <laughs> yeah I mean it 's a challenge for him because he learns a lot, but the reason why he's doing that is because he he's actually a kid from the thirty first century who travels back in time because he's bored on the thirty first century, and so he travels back in time because he he invents time travel and he finds a way he, once he does travel back in time, he realizes that he, there's so much that he can learn from going to like you know three thousand three thousand five hundred b c or something like that right where there's no technology, bare bones, how can he get himself out of that situation? So it's that whole kind of like, oh, I'm going to learn some life skills. And the only way to learn life skills is to travel back in time because it's too easy in the thirty first century. But then when he does travel back in time, again, this is still the comics, he meets himself as Can the Conqueror. So it's, it's, oh. very, it's very paradoxical. Right, so, and he meets himself with Kang the Conqueror and is
1: like, and the Conqueror is like, oh, hey, you know, you're going to be great one day or something. Well, like,
0: Kang the Conqueror himself, he says, I'm going to teach you how to become Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he coaches himself. It's very paradoxical. It's very kind of messed but up. Then, but... No, but that doesn't explain anything. Like, that doesn't explain why he does what he does. It doesn't explain No, no, how... no. That's part, that's part of his origin story, but then his real mm-hmm. motivation comes down to a love story. Oh,
1: God. <laughs> I remember.
0: I remember Thanos <laughs> was a love story
1: too in the comic book. Like he wanted to impress <laughs> yes, death, death or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they changed that, I was like awesome. Yeah. Cause this is way better than that. Sure. Yeah. So please, um, if you're listening, Marvel change this. They might change, change it. I
0: mean like, okay. So, so the love story is actually a character that you meet in Loki season one. And that character is called Ravona R- uh, revenge slayer or something like R- Ravona something slayer. Anyway,
1: it's a very Dungeons and Dragons style, yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, straight out of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so she's a character that falls in love with, or can the conqueror falls in love with her, and he mm-hmm. wants to save all the different versions of her because she dies. The one version that he falls in love with dies, and so he travels the multiverse, the different timelines, endless amount of timelines. He can't keep up to look for Bravona Rinslayer. that's better than that's better than than the Thanos one but it's a bit more than that because like what he's his character isn't just predicated on that his character is predicated on his challenge to conquer the different timelines because his life in the 31st century isn't challenging at all everything is perfect everything is complete and he and he doesn't know how to do anything else better so when he travels to these different parts he's like he sees that there's civilizations in, in ancient Egypt that he could conquer and like it's, it's kind of like an origin story of him becoming an emperor of that time i, I kind of get that but like the, in in an in a 2023
1: sort of film mm. that would sort of give me like you know justice league non-ton todd snyder todd um, Zach Snyder Zack Snyder pack yeah i don't know his freaking name but like the non-his version because my understanding is that like in his version the bad guy whose name i forget mm. gets really fleshed out right is my understanding mm. And you can probably tell me that because you've seen the film, but in the original, like that guy's just like, Hey, I'm evil. and I'm here to kill everyone. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I think like this idea of like, um, Kang being like, Oh, life is too easy. Let me murder a bunch of things Mm -hmm. because I want to level up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll play well in movie form.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we don't know what they're going to do with, with this character specifically. Right. And in in detail, what is the MCU going to do with this character? Really? They'll,
1: yeah, I'm imagining a monologue of like, why do you do it? It's like,
0: cause I can. Well, I was kind of bored in my timeline. Yeah. So I just wanted to, <laughs>
1: something to do. Yeah.
0: I wanted to be the president in this country and I wanted the prime minister in Australia. And, <laughs> but you know, that's basically his character is like, he becomes this tyrant of those times. And so when he travels back to ancient Egypt, he becomes the emperor Ramatat, um, or the ruler Ramatat, And he just rules Egypt during that time. Um, yeah, it's, it's long, long, long stories about him, and um, it's it's gonna be. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see yeah. what happens. Um, like Jonathan Hedges, I well, think, is like the do... perfect person to play this character.
1: Yeah, like it's it's a good character. It's well acted. It, right now, he's on a mysterious sort of motivation. I'm I'm up for mm. it. So yeah, it is cool. Yeah, uh, I did enjoy. Oh, sorry. No, go. <laughs> I was just say, I did enjoy like sort of again. They sort of take it to like a whimsical, happy time right after the film ends, mm. where like. Lang is walking around going, oh, yeah, everything's cool. And then he has that moment where he's like, oh, is it all all right? Like, mm. uh, it sounded pretty That's bad. That's what I like. And then he's like, well. ah, it's cool. That's what I like. Because yeah. I think he
0: knows deep down inside, but he's just going to bury it in his, like, comedic insecurity. He's going to bury it until it surfaces itself in a really, ugly situation. But I think he knows deep down inside that he's messed up again.
1: Because, <laughs> like, as someone like me who isn't really following the universe that strongly and all that kind of stuff, like, it gave me enough to go, okay, well, he's clearly not dead mm-hmm. because why would they have that scene? And then it also, like, fit perfectly in the style of the film, the comedy of the film, mm-hmm. the comedy of the character. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, a good way... Like, you know, they wouldn't have had to say Kang will return yep. because they had that scene. Yep. So that was done quite well. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's such a typical Marvel thing to do to say that the the main villain is going to return or one of the main characters is going to return. Um, I feel like they shouldn't have said that, that Kang will return. Mm. Um, like they do that with I think Thanos and would... Avengers right like in Avengers the first one we mm. see him and that's about it but I know like we quote-unquote killed the character and he's going to come back and when they say that Kang will return I think it's the Kang or, or not think but I believe it is the Kang that we have met in Ant-Man Quantumania because why would you go through lengths and links lengths, pages and pages of character scripting to flesh out this character that you just kill by the end of it. There's no way that this Well, I don't know if that's true. Like, like uh, there are other versions of Kang. They can lean into that. Like, yeah. No, I, I feel like I, that thing has to be a blocker. Those other versions are just other versions that are not called Kang. Like, this particular one especially because you know jonathan majors is as talented as he is i don't think he can come up with a hundred different variations
1: <laughs> exactly so i feel like what they're going to do is they're going to like have ramitat kang or whatever he is and he's going to have the same personality as original. Well, we kang, met Ramatar, and we're just going to buy that
0: we met Ram- uh, Ramatar, the stinger scene
1: yeah and yeah. he pretty much oh, actually wouldn't get much of his personality oh, but, but, but they like, look if-
0: terrible those characters oh my god they look awful what Tech Kang? Oh, my uh, God. Uh, maybe he was, like, the better one. Every, the other two characters, which was Immortus, so that's a variant um, of Kang, um, who's the old, ancient version, and then you've got Ramatar. They just look like meme characters from Comic-Con or something. I was <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and those characters are badass in the comics, man. They're badass I didn't characters. Even know- yeah, I don't follow it. They're so good. And they I'm look so much better. I mean, these these... The costume design in those scenes, like, I wasn't sure if they were trying to make fun of it or they were serious about it. I was like. Really?
1: It was that bad? I mean, I watched it. It did look a little bit,
0: like, silly. I'll admit
1: that. Like, it just, it felt like, yeah, it felt like a guy in cosplay.
0: Yeah. Especially Ramatat. He looked silly. Like, the gold, like, painting on his eyes looked Mm. like a Halloween costume from down the road, man. I was like. (laughs) come on no way that cannot that cannot be these versions i hope this is a joke but it's not
1: (laughs) and i felt like at the end like as someone who didn't watch loki that like last last scene didn't really do a lot for Mm me um i'm sure it did a lot for you
0: yeah yeah i mean victor time is a cool character in the comics as well um it's, it's funny actually the the way the character is illustrated in the comics is actually um like this white and nerdy guy with glasses. <laughs> oh, time. Um, he's, he's not like uh, like he, he's not even the uh, the same looking version as the Kang that's illustrated in the comics. Um, mm. but anyway, I, I don't even know why I brought that up. But one
1: well, thing that's kind of hard for me, like as someone who doesn't really understand it that well, like is that I literally thought Victor Timely was Kang, like the Kang that we just saw, and like, oh my god, he got out. Mm. Like, no no, no. And he's, then... he's just
0: a variant that exists in that time period. But at the same time, we don't know exactly what's happening. We don't have context because this is this could be smack bang in the middle of season two, or it could be episode one of season two could be episode two i don't know um i'm assuming it's episode one because i don't think they'll give us something that's like episode four (laughs) um
1: yeah that makes sense because the thing is like yeah i just like when you're dealing with like multi-variants of the same person mm -hmm. it is difficult um unless like victor timely always dresses like a nerd even when he's like in the middle of like you know the egyptian kang just always dresses like like egypt Mm -hmm. king and tech king always just like tech then you get around
0: it sure yeah But it's gonna be hard to follow anyway That is the end of our review. Out of 10. It is. Tell us. Uh, me. Okay. Look,
1: I would give this a six, six and a half. Mm. Actually, no.
0: 6.2. Thoughts? I'm the same. Really? Uh, 6.5? 6.5.
1: Yeah. I, like, like, it's sort of a fun romp. Would I watch it again? No. Did I want to leave halfway through? a little bit like <laughs>
0: <laughs> i struggled yeah. to watch it the second time to be honest
1: yeah i don't know why you agreed to that like mm-hmm. that is legitimately impressive that you actually agreed yeah. to do that that is
0: i still enjoyed the kang <laughs> stuff i mean I, I was in it for the kang stuff let's let's say that <laughs> yeah it's a great film
1: to set up kang and like the th- sad thing is like again Infinity War, when they introduced Thanos and gave him like that history and gave him that context, I freaking loved mm. that film. Mm. So for this film to do largely the same thing and still come out with a six is quite shocking to me. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's objectively, like, it's fine. Mm. And yeah, yeah, it's fine. That's about it.
0: Looking forward to Loki Season 2. That's the first Disney Plus MCU property um, so I can't wait to see that so you need to watch season 1 and then maybe review okay. season 2 with me I'll do it how's that sound
1: Ooh, is it gonna be better than Rings of
0: Power <laughs> I think anything can be better than Rings of Power at this point <laughs> no <it's laughs> oh not my bad. god, it's god. Rings, that, Rings, that, Rings that, of Power Rings of Power comes out like soon three years I think three
1: years, three years? Yeah, i want to try and leave the country before then <laughs> <laughs> it's be a I'll go to like Antarctica and like three, and try to like, get the like most zero for the <laughs> <laughs> Dude, just go to where Nathan is, man. You don't need to go to Tiger. <laughs> oh, I could never see myself in Manchester, though. Did he say he's in Manchester? No, I'm just making oh, it up. Right. I'm just implying that Manchester's a whole... Where? just go to... Uh, no wonder.
0: It, 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 it. How, how good was that loss um, to Liverpool, though?
1: Oh, so fun <laughs> to watch. So fun. <laughs> you know, I've gotten to a point now where... And it's actually funny. It's actually not true anymore, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> um where i enjoy a man united loss more than an arsenal win
0: mm. yeah I don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if that says yeah. a lot about how much you hate united or how less of a fan you are now as a guna
1: yeah i think it's bit of both <laughs> bit of both
0: <laughs> you wear the shirts all the time man you gotta live it up yeah no, no, no. it's hard like when when
1: teams do well i feel a little bit of like like guilt i don't know i like supporting teams when they're down
0: yeah i know that about you that doesn't surprise me yeah <laughs> well, su- seeing uh, talking about supporting listener, thank you so much for joining us on this ride. It's a very, very long ride of one hour and forty-five minutes. Um, as you know now, if you're still here, we love to talk. <laughs> we love too much, <laughs> too much. No, some some would say that it's like perfect amount of talking. Who knows? But we just love movies. We love TV series. Well, we love movies more. I guess I don't know. Maybe a bit of both. We just love this. Medium, let's say,
1: of cr- visual consumption of, of media, mm-hmm. yeah. And then now they got this great TV. Oh, next level, so much
0: better. What do you have? AK? Oh, so good.
1: Uh, no, for AK, actually, no, it's not. It's a, it's a Sony A eighty-five K. I think it's like a, it's OLED, sixty-five inches. Mm. Cost me a lot of money, and I'm trying to make the most Is of, it it one every of those of the true
0: day. black TVs?
1: Yeah, it's one of those ones where when the when it's black, the pixel oh, turns off. Wow,
0: you got two blacks yeah. Oh, sick! How many inches? It's so good, sixty-five. Oh, get out of here!
1: Yeah, which I kind of When's thought amazing, was kind of place. funny. Yeah, whenever you want, man.
0: We'll do we'll do the trilogy here. Oh, let's go, trilogy there. Yeah, all right, man. Feels like all right, man. So so good to have you again. Thank you, listener, for joining us. And um, cool. uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Legit Cool Podcasts. On Facebook, does anybody even follow Facebook anymore? I don't. Yeah, well, there you go. Legit cool podcast movie talk on Facebook and or on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you're listening from. Thank you for the support. And be sure to tune in for the next review, which is going to be Scream 6. Shit, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to do that by yourself or do you have a horror uh, friend yet? I don't have a horror friend yet, so I might still do it by myself. Oh, no, no, JC, JC, JC. He, he, he yeah, did Scream nice. 5 hey. with me actually so we'll bring him back on podcast
1: yeah cool cool <laughs> i'm glad you've got a horror friend
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right man thanks for your time appreciate it and we'll catch you soon bye bye everyone